Hey, everybody, listen up. Slow Toke Rodriguez says, sit down, grab a raw, twist a number, and get ready to listen to some Sidewalk Crew. You dig? everybody and thanks for tuning in to yet another awesome action-packed episode of the sidewalk crew i'm your host tony rodriguez and i've got some cool information for you uh so we took last weekend off to do some planning and everything and uh we are bringing back og sidewalk crew ladies and gentlemen that is that is i am proud to announce we're bringing back the old school format the panel format uh we're still going to do one-offs with me and guests pardon me for a second Oh, yeah, that's what we needed. A little drink of that Dubby Energy drink, baby. Uh, man, look, we're bringing back the original format of the podcast. Um, just because I think we can have more fun, uh, you know, and we can do more content for you guys if we do it that way. Um, I'll be announcing the panel members via social media over the next week. Um, next week, we will also have another Solo Dolo episode that comes out uh, on the 30th. Or, excuse me. Yeah, next week on the 30th, we'll have another single episode coming out featuring a really cool guest that I'm really excited about having in the studio. Um, but uh, then the week after that, uh, we will announce our panelist and then we will do our first panel show uh, the following weekend. And it'll be the first time we've done a panel show since uh, OG Sidewalk Crew went off the air off YouTube. Um, and, uh, you know, then we moved over to this purely audio format. Um, I will say that the old school guys are coming back. We're still going to do the throwback episode with the OG sidewalk crew, uh, with, you know, the foreign objects, Caesar Premont, big fab Fabio Premont and the Florida man, Jason Brown, and probably tiny Tim too. And Graham Johnson. Um, if we could get bacon in, that'd be neat too. Um, but, uh, we're, we're moving back to panel just because I think it's a better way for us to, to move and distribute content for you guys. So, uh, keep your ears out for more news about that. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great, wonderful, fantastic time, uh, you know, and uh, I love you guys for sticking around with us. Um, now, a couple things we got to talk about before we get into everything. Uh, first things first, the UCC uh, semifinals was last night, and uh, that was it. Ten guys went into the ring, and uh, we found out this morning that your top six, okay, are you ready? This is your six finalists, all right? We've got Melissa Dowdy, Carl Martindale, Eric Brown, J.D. Etheridge, Seth Kerman, and Ethan Justice. Those are your final six. Those are going to be your finalists. <laughs> oh, pardon me. Uh, look, I've just got to tell you guys. The finalists that we've got for this are fantastic. They're amazing. They're wonderful. And uh, there's not much I could see doing without them around. So get your tickets now guys like it's you have to understand that show last night was magical and then these guys are going to move on to you know uh, the biggest round that the ucc's ever done is the 15th year of the ucc um so with it being the 15th year jenny of course moved the prizes up 
to $2,000. And also, the winner of the UCC, as it was announced uh, last night, will headline a show at the Crown Theater during the North Carolina Comedy Festival and a bunch of other amazing prizes that she's going to announce as well. So there is a headliner spot up for grabs for these guys. Whoever wins this will headline a show at the Crown Theater. Um, That's incredible. I mean, working in the Crown Room Theater is amazing. So you'll get to do a show at the uh, at the North Carolina Comedy Festival and arguably the biggest comedy festival in the Southeast. Of course, I'm on the festival. Remember, festival dates are September 1st through the 10th. Tickets are available online now via Eventbrite. Um, make sure you get your tickets now to see those dates. Um, my specific dates we will plug uh, on social media for the shows that I will be on. But please, please, please come out to as many of this comedy festival shows as you can. Remember, if you were to attend every single show, you could see over 350 different comedic acts. Okay, ranging from stand-up, sketch, improv. There's even some musical comedy that goes on too. Uh, guys like the Buster Cups. So, you guys, just it's it's amazing. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. It's my favorite time about September. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to talk about a couple dates that I've got coming up. Uh, first and foremost, uh, big shouts out to Live to Laugh Comedy, Robert Every, you know, out here working, hosting stuff and everything. Uh, we've got another cool show this week at Brewer's Kettle for you guys. Uh, Jordan Freeman's hosting this Wednesday. And our feature act is going to be Major Keys Parsons. She is a force wherever she goes. I promise you she's a great time and a great laugh. So definitely, definitely, definitely come check us out at the Brewer's Kettle. And of course, uh, the littest open mic in the world is every Thursday at the Idiot Box. Definitely make sure you check us out there. We've got three Greensboro Laughs shows for you this weekend. Uh, one on Friday, two on Saturday. Check the Eventbrite for times. Fantastic lineups. Lineups. Take a look at that. Now, me personally, remember, August the 4th, I will be at uh, the Palm in uh, Virginia. That is going to be a dispensary show. Uh, Antonio Washington and myself will be on that. Uh, that's going to be wonderful and amazing. Um, then also uh, we have on uh, August the 11th, I will be back at Gray Gables. And this lineup is crazy. Uh, Live to Laugh putting this one on as well. Uh, Shouts out to Robert Ever for having on. But I'll be your host. Uh, Antonio Washington will be, fe- uh, will be your uh, guest spot. Um, then featuring, you're going to have David Goolsby and Big Daddy J.D. Etheridge is closing out in the evening, man. Look, just there's, to me, it's amazing. It's wonderful. Uh, you have to understand, J.D. and Goolsby are two guys that I look up to dearly in comedy. Uh, Goolsby's taking me with him to Tennessee, and I, I do nothing but, you know, I have nothing but respect for J.D. because everything that he says makes sense to me, and it all is just, he's he's one of my favorite people in comedy, and he's just a great all-around. So to get to be on a show that he's headlining is a, is, a, is a big deal for me. I mean, that's like, you know, that's like getting caught up to the majors for me. So having the opportunity to do that, I'm with it. I'm for it. I love every minute of it. Um, it can't be nothing but great. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can't be nothing but great. But uh, be that as it may, that's at Gray Gables. Um, I do believe there's still some tickets left for that one. Uh, contact Gray Gables. Uh, let them know what you got going on uh, and, you know, get your seats reserved. Uh, it's a great venue. We usually have about 100, 150 people out for these shows. It's a great turnout. It's a wonderful time. So check that out as well. That's in Summerfield, North Carolina. I do have some other dates that I've got in August. I'll be up in Virginia with Antonio Washington, Dusty Cagle, Lucas Gumbrecht on the 8th. And then I will be up with the Davids uh, the day before Gray Gables. It'll be me, David Decker, and David Goolsby will be up August the 10th. Um, and then August the 12th, I will be back up with Meredith Kerr and a couple other comics from Tennessee. 
So August is shaping up to be crazy. And then uh, September 29th, mark this one down. Uh, this will be another great Greg Abel show. Uh, Trish Mark's coming down and Maggot Brain's going to be the feature. Um, I do believe I'm going to be the uh, one of the guys helping out with that one too. So mark all these dates on your calendars. That's what I've got coming on. And um, yeah, that's great. But uh, I, I want to get right into this episode, guys. I know I've thrown a lot of information at you, but we'll, we'll roll right into it. Uh, we had Jordan Freeman back on this episode. Uh, Jordan Freeman is one of the first people I ever invited on my podcast uh, many, 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 many episodes ago. And uh, it's, a, it's a great time uh, to talk to Jordan. He's one of my great friends in comedy. And, uh, you know, it was a wonderful, it was actually before we went into the Jeremy Alder show that I was on with him, uh, you know, and we had a wonderful time. So check out this great conversation that you have with us. And uh, remember, Jordan Freeman is going to be hosting this week at Brewer's Kettle. So keep your ears out for that, ladies and gentlemen. But without further ado, we'll get into the episode. And uh, remember to stick around for the commercial at the end to learn about some of my other great comedic friends. And as always, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. So here we go with Jordan Freeman. So, who, 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 because you have said something that bothers me, sir. <laughs> it bothers me so much because I love that movie. I love, I love that movie, movie with every fiber of my being. But who the motherfuck else, other than Rick Moranis, can play Darth Helmet? Who? Who, I ask? So you want people that are shorter. Because you have to be, think about it. Colonel Sanders was taller than the two of them, but he was comic relief for the two. And Mel Brooks, I do believe, is slightly taller than Rick Moranis. A bit. A bit. And I think that's what makes President Scrooge works in that movie. President Scrooge, salute! Hail Scrooge! Or, you know, whatever. But you can't... Who? 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 You know what? I don't even care if it's short or not. I want to hear your recommendations, just so I can pick this shit apart. Okay. So, I... I love Mick Moranis. I love him as an actor. I love the Honey Ashrunk the Kid series. I loved him in Ghostbusters. But I was like... Good in Flintstones. Yes, I always forget he's Barney. I always forget he's Barney because, like, I think he ate that role. Yeah. I think everyone was good. Like, everyone gets Rosie O'Donnell shit. I'm like, but that was a great Betty. Yes, it was a plus-size woman. Yes, she wasn't, like, whatever you had your... Yeah, but Betty wasn't a skinny woman by no means. None of, I mean, fucking Unga Bunga, they're cavemen, dog. Like, what do you think? Right. Rosie O'Donnell ate that role. Mm. Poor choice of words. Rosie O'Donnell (laughs) was Betty. Like, the actress that played Wilma... I know she's been in Weeds, and she's been in a shitload of other stuff, and she's brilliant and everything else, but that, I'm like, that is Wilma, and that will forever be Wilma. Oh, yeah. And John Goodman is, like, Fred. Like, I mean, hello, who else the fuck is going to play him? Chris Farley. Oh. Yeah, that would have worked. Uh, anyway, um, so I love Rick Moranis. It's not a slight of him as an actor. I just think that I get the play that Mel Brooks was trying to do, which was someone less imposing as, like, the six-foot-four person that was the body double for Darth Vader and then having somebody that is not James Earl Jones at all. But I think he can't play... I think my issue with him was, like, he couldn't play evil well enough for me. Like, he's a good actor, but I'm like, you're not completely great in this role because you're either playing this character too slimy for it to be like a hundred percent funny, or you're not playing him nerdy enough or like wimpy enough where it's funny to me. That was never like the perfect moment for me. And I've been racking my brain of who could have done a better job. I have a few. 
You may not agree with me. I have paper. I <laughs> so I have a few, and I've been trying. To, I was racking my brain on like who's worked with Mel first. Who would be good in this role that's worked with Mel, and it would be funny. First one off the bat was Gene Wilder. It's hard for me to argue that. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it. Continue with the list. So I thought Gene Wilder would be hysterical. I know he's problematic now. I know he's problematic now. I would have... I think Woody Allen would have been hysterical. So skinnier Rick Moranis. Heard. Um, he would have been older, but I think, I think it would have been hysterical. Don Knotts. And then his partner in the Apple, Dun Apple Dumpling Game movies, Tim Conway. Oh, I've thought of this. I think he was dead around this time. But if he was alive, I would have paid out of the ass to have seen Paul Lynn. I would have paid... I would have sold a firstborn to see Paul Lynn as Lord Helmet. Okay, that one we gotta keep keep going if you got more. But but we're just I'm just I need a date for this one before I argue that one. Okay, because <laughs> because I'm trying to put together an argument and I'm like that one might be death. I am your father's brother's cousin's roommate twice removed. What does that What does that make you then? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> anyway, um. Uh, okay, he would be taller, and he would be stockier, but hear me out. Oh, fuck, I just forgot his name. Um, fuck, what is his goddamn name? Um, uh, Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein. The one, um, Independence Day, the one that's the assistant Yeah, to, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. David, why did I just tell my mother to go to Florida? David! I would have... Oh, God. And also... Jeff Goldblum would have been funny to me. Not my first choice, but, like, funnier. Who else? I had a few more. In, like, the neurotic kind of sense. Um... Okay, yeah, so. Uh, what is his name? John something. He passed away some years ago. He was well, on uh, Eight Ways to Date My Teenage Daughter. John, John Ritter could not have, no. There's no way. There's no, I'll immediately veto that one before you finish the list. There's no fucking way. No. No, John Ritter, fantastic actor. And you, you didn't even bring up Bad Santa, which had him and Bernie Mangan. So, like, was, so I was trying to think, that was just like the show that was in my head, because that was the one like he passed in. And I'm like, I can... If I can name that show, I'll know what I'm talking about. And... <laughs> I think that's everybody, but I had one that I was like... I don't... I think it would have been funny just to... Like, just for his inflections. But I, not, I would not have cast him, but I think it would have been funny. Danny DeVito. What year did Twins come out? 80... Eight, I think. So it would have been that Danny DeVito. Yeah, it would have been that Danny DeVito. 
Okay. So that's that. That's where we're that's where we're putting lines in the sand at here. There's one, but he's. I think because he's so tall, like it wouldn't have worked. But Harvey Corman. No. No, I would, Harvey Corman got his Mel Brooks chance in uh, Blazing Saddles. Saddles, and that that was it. That was it. And furthermore, to further your end on that, like at that point, if you're gonna do Harvey Corman and Blazing Saddles and Tim Conway, then who the fuck does Carol Burnett play in Robin Hood Men in Tights? Because that's the movie she's got to be in after that. Oh, she would play the um, uh, Maid Marian's uh, assistant, whatever her name is. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hildy or whatever, yeah. yeah. Before you do it, you must go through it, <laughs> or else I blew it. That would be, that would be her role. That or um, Tracy Ullman, the witch. Mm. Mm. Okay, that might, that might invalidate my 10 Conway argument here. All right, so I'm going to pick this apart. Uh, Harvey Feinstein just... Uh, I can't see him with the voice doing it the whole time. It just first of all, Harvey. My favorite thing that Harvey was ever in is Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, I think it's everybody's favorite thing. I think I think that's that. I think that's his most iconic role besides being um, in Independence Day. No, uh, I was gonna say well that too, but um, it, being in the first Broadway showing of Hairspray because he played uh, 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 Edna. Term what's her last name? Edna. Edna. In the uh, the, the show. Yeah. So. I, I get it, but I just think Harvey doesn't bring the the difference in tone that's needed for that one. So that's what we're going to get rid of Harvey. I'm yeah, gonna do... he's he's much lower on on the list of names. Oh yeah, I, I I'm going to do Gene Wilder last because there's reasons why it can't be Gene Wilder. There's a lot of reasons why it can't be Gene Wilder, mainly because he was shooting Willy Wonka at the time. No, Willy Wonka was the '70s. This was the '80s. Willy Wonka was the '70s. '73, I think. It was no. early 70s. That movie's at least over 50 years old. It's 73, I'm pretty sure. At the 71? T- oh, okay. At the time of... Damn. At the time of um, Spaceballs, he was, I think he was doing... Those Spaceballs buddy- was 87. Yeah, at that time he was doing the buddy comedies with Richard Pryor. If memory serves. Yeah, so why would you, why would you do anything else? Well, that's all. Richard, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder had the best chemistry, like ever on things. So the the movie where they're in it with each other and they start looking around the house and they start going but um but um but um but um but um you know that that moment was not scripted. Oh yeah. They both at the same time, not looking at each other on the scene, started doing it because they thought it was like the same like they just thought it would be comedic. Yeah. yeah. For the point of that. Those two men are insane. Well were. But so before we get to Gene Wilder all right, so Paul Lynn, uh, very dead in 1982. No more argument there. It was 82. Okay, okay. Yeah. I couldn't. I knew he died in the 80s, but I couldn't remember if it was early or late. Voiced so many good Hanna Barbera characters. I enjoyed Paul Lynn on Bewitched, uh, probably more than anything else. Um, and wasn't he on Hollywood Squares for a long he time? He was in the Middle Square yeah. for years. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, you know, everything's gonna be better. <laughs> Um, so that, that immediately, immediately out Paul Lynn. Paul Rubens wouldn't have been bad. Um, <laughs> best death scene ever. Him and Buffy, when he, when they finally stake him and Buffy, he's just like, e ah, ooh, uh, uh. And then he falls down, ugh, ugh, ugh. 
and dies. Perfect. Perfect. Everybody forgets, kids, that that's Pee Wee Herman. And we're not talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar. We're talking about this shitty movie that had, um, God, what's a, Donald Sutherland was a, was the watcher in that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think his name was Giles, but he was the watcher. I don't think it was. It also had Luke Perry in it. Not oh, yeah, Perry. very young Luke. Yeah, Luke Perry. Was it Luke Perry? It was the one that was in Riverdale. Yeah, Luke. You mean Dawson's Creek? No, 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 no. He was in Riverdale as one of the dad characters. He was the dad of uh, Arthur. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is it for saying the movie? Let me get a cast list. Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens. Uh, I need it. Yep, Luke Perry. Okay, I was making sure his last name was correct. For some reason, my brain was like, that's not the right last name. Oh my God, I forgot Hillary Swank was in there. Yep. One of her first roles. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to understand the proclivities of the cat, please come watch me and Jordan on the same show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor buddy. He's fine. He's just a... He's, I need affection! It's not like you... You have more toys in this house than I do, and I pay rent. I can't even hook up my guitars because he, like, fiddles with my amp cords. Mm, that's a cat problem. I have to play in my room, and when I do that, my snake goes nuts because it's like, Vibrations! I'm a reptile! I don't understand what's happening! <laughs> <laughs> Like an earthquake all the time. Yeah, it's just like, she'll poke her head out of the enclosure so quick and be like, the fuck's going on? Like, you can, like, I'm not saying that reptiles show emotions, but she'll come out with concern on her face. Like, hey, 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 hey. Just has the visual of her, like, poking her head out. She's got, like, her hair and curlers and, like, that, like, white face mask on. <laughs> the fuck is happening? <laughs> the teenagers are at it again. I don't know why my steak's suddenly 85. <laughs> Curlers and a shitty, it's got like hair dye stains on it, moo moo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and bunny slippers. I know it's a snake, but why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, it's hard for me to argue Tim Conway. Tim Conway's funny, but I think at that point, Tim Conway's too old. Maybe. 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 Because right around the time Spaceballs was happening, I know. Um, Carol Bonet just wrapped her show. Yeah. So he would have been in, I think he was in his 30s when he started on the show, which was in like the mid uh, mid to late 70s. The Carol Burnett show, I, f- I feel like the Carol Burnett show is older than that. It went to the early 80s. I remember that. He would have, he probably would have been in his uh, 40s or 50s by that point. He was in his 80s when he was voicing uh, Barnacle Boy in SpongeBob. And he yeah. passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. So the Carol Burnett show aired on CBS from 1967, September 11th, 1967. That date didn't age well. Uh-huh. Um, to March 29th, 1978, originally. Um, I think it may have reran later. Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. And again with nine episodes in the fall of 1991. It must have been some kind of special. Yeah. Well, you also got to remember, too, like, you know, you had this come around, and then they all did Mama's Family. Mm-hmm. You know, which was 
oddly more successful, ironically. That, well, so there's a there's a few reasons behind that. So they did a made for TV Mama's Family. Well, sorry, a Eunice movie, which was like funny, but like extremely dark, because it 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 showed like how Eunice was like a pushover who had big dreams but never fulfilled them. Right. And I was like, the fuck, Carol. <laughs> Like it ends. She could be sad like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was like, Ugh. this is rough. But then they did Mama's Family, which originally um, Carol's husband at the time was producing because they went to Vicky and they were like, "Yo, the the family sketches are like our best sketches. Like people love, love the characters. Do you want to make a show off of this?" And Vicky at the time was still like really like that character. She's like, yeah, I'll do it. So they were on, I think, NBC, the whatever channel. Uh, well, Cobra Nut was CBS. Me, was it CBS? Whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter the network. See, the cast went on to uh, let's see, uh, uh, eighty-three to ninety is when Mama's Family ran. Right. So it was on network for two seasons. Which is where you had, like, Carol, Harvey, Betty, all of them pop up um, as those characters. And then it was canceled after two seasons. But, but um, Carol's ex-husband at that point, who was still a producer, I think on the show, they made a deal with some network where they gave them four seasons, enough for it to become syndicated. So they were like, all we need is 100 episodes. We can get syndication. We can make a shitload of money off this. So that's what they did. And... You, ran... you, sir, are like a, a encyclopedia of... Because I'm like... First of all, uh, kids, I needed Jamie, uh, for sure. Uh, for those of you that listen to the Joe Rogan Experience, which people are like, don't bring up Joe. Fuck it. I like the show. Um, oh, you're just laying down. Um, it aired on NBC. That's <laughs> fantastic. Like, yeah, you call that... What do you do in your free... You're just like, well, how did this show start? Kind of. That's fair. So there's, there's, well, there's drama around Carol and Vicky at the time. So when Carol and her producer husband divorced, it was nasty. It was, it was bad. And um, Carol had this mentality at the time that Vicky's loyal to me. So she's going to, like, fire him or not distance herself from him. And Vicky was like... He's producing my show. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, he's like, uh, he helped create the show. What am I supposed to do? So Vicky didn't distance herself. She was like, I have to work with him. And Carol took that as a slight. So they didn't talk for years. Years until he died. And then um, she reached out and they they reconciled. But it was, like, it was, it was bad. That's crazy. It's bananas to Which me. Which is where, like, that rabbit hole led. Because I just thought everybody was friends forever. And then I read that, like, for, like, I think a decade, Carol did not talk to Vicky at all. It was a long time. Well, that was like, uh, what was it? Uh, Carson got mad at Rivers one time for having somebody on the show when he was out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carson hung up on Rivers. And then Rivers, or Rivers got her own show. And Carson never called Rivers back. And they never reconciled. They never spoke to each other again. Which sucks. Because no, it was... It was the fact that she got, I think it was the fact that she got her own show because Carson was going to 
make her the host anyway or something like that like he 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 was he was i think working i think he wanted the credit for making her the first female woman in late night late night and because i think he was going to give her the late show or something like that tonight show that's right the tonight show and the, 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 because he, he, she would host for him when he had to go do something. Mm-hmm. And when she got her own show, he felt that was a slight. But I'm like, she, she was offered a great deal, and you never told her you were going to give her the Tonight Show. If you had told her, wait. She would have probably recommended somebody. Yeah. She would have recommended somebody because she's just like, I'm going to have like the biggest show on NBC right now. Like I'm going to take after Carson. Why the fuck would I do my own show that I don't know if it's going to succeed or not? Like, I'll have, like, his staff writing for me. I mean, that that doesn't... See, that, that that's those things in show business that I don't understand. Because, like, the like the Tonight Show, arguably... And, and I, think, I think the reason why we know so much about it is because that was the original place where if you were going to be a stand-up... If 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 you went up and Johnny called you over to the couch, you were in. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're the next big thing. Yeah. And it also takes. It, it was also a. Mm, I don't want, not not a rip off. That's the wrong word. It was a homage to shows before it, like the Bob Newhart show, um, Ed Sullivan. Yeah. Like Ed Sullivan is the one that got the, the the, the, the not late night, but like the 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 show like Carson's going. Like he was the the. The prototype. Well, and Ed's the Ed Sullivan show was it, it, it was a talk show, but it was also a talent show. But it was different from like a variety show because mm-hmm. like a lot of people be like, well, you know, what about all the people that were on the Dean Martin show or on the Carol Burnett show? And I'm like, yeah, but that's those a variety are show. that's sketch. Those are sketch shows. The same thing with excuse me, the, it's the same thing with like Red Skelton. Yeah. Wow. Here's one I forget. That was a good show. Mm-hmm. And that's where everyone's just like, what's the difference between Ed and Red? I'm like, Ed sat you down and talked with you. And you did your bit there. Like, you did your dancing, your singing, your whatever. You showcased your talent. And then you had a conversation with him. Red did let you showcase your talent. Like, if he had a singer on there, they sang their song. They did the little trick. They they did whatever. And then they were in a sketch. Same thing when Cher or Tina or Maggie Smith was on The Carol Burnett Show. They did their talent. I mean, for Maggie, it was just acting and sketches. But like yeah. with Sheriff, she sang a song. With Bet, she sang a song. I'm, I'm, I'm calling out gay icons because, like, I mean, I watch those episodes a lot. We're, we're going to come back to that one in a second because I got some questions about Cher and gay icon for a minute. Like, just because of Chaz Bono, I feel like that's a cop-out. Um, so it actually started before that. Well, no, I, I get that, but but I still gotta I still gotta get so Tim Conway's out. That's what I'm saying. We went through all that for me to say Tim Conway's the fuck out. Uh, Don Knotts is out because Barney Five can't be Dark Helmet. Barney Five can't be Dark Helmet. I mean, if Andy Griffin can play like a drunken, abusive asshole in a movie, I think Barney I think Barney Five can play. Well, I'm not saying he can't do it, but you have to look at the you have to look at it like he was what like his character at the time was what Three's Company. Like, oh my God, what's happening here? Well, it's true. So, like, it's what? Do you, what is he gonna do? Show up in a velour suit? Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, he could have been in the movie. But I don't think he could have been Helmet. Woody Allen, 
is skinny, slightly taller Rick Moranis. Matter of fact, if you split Woody Allen in two, you get his his looks and everything morphs off into Rick Moranis, and the way his weird ass talks becomes Jeff Goldblum. Or Billy Crystal. No, Jeff Goldblum. Definitely Jeff Billy Crystal's Billy Crystal's own thing. I'm saying if Rick Moranis and Jeff Goldblum do the fucking fusion dance and try to go tinks it out, they become Woody Allen. Tell me I'm wrong. Figure rather than that, then you have to ask the question which one of them wanted to wants to marry their uh, adopted daughter. Well, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure when you make a creature, it has some of its own thoughts. That's true. They did the fusion dance wrong. That's why it was so skinny and not tall. And for some odd reason, wore much thicker glasses. Right. Woody Allen had some thick glasses, boy. Talking Still does. Joints so thick they pick up cable. I don't count Woody Allen as a person anymore. Same. He's a, he's a he's a footnote, which which brings us to one of my favorite uh, of all time, and that's Gene Wilder. Um, I I think Gene's too much of an actor to play dark. If you look at Dark Helmet as what he was in that movie. So think about it like this. I I understand because you're working it the way you should work it because you write. You know, so you're working it like, oh, well, we put Gene Wilder in here and we swap all this stuff around. No. Stop thinking like a writer. Think like a Gentile for a second. (laughs) I want you to unplug Rick Moranis, plug in Gene Wilder, and hit play. I'll give you okay. one, I'll give you one particular scene. I'll give you one particular scene. Can you picture Gene Wilder going, "What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken, ludicrous speed, go!" I was thinking about that one. I was thinking about the um, the the videotape one. Oh, <laughs> we're it now, now. Yeah, one of my favorite lines in that movie is where they're combing the desert. Oh my God. Because the helmet changes to a safari hat. Yes, it does. <laughs> with two eye holes in it. And then he turns over at Sanders with the, with the megaphone. What? No, he told him to come in the desert. We're combing the desert. <laughs> then he turns down and looked at the people. Find anything yet? It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I love that movie. And I, and I still, like, I think Rick Moranis was, like, to me, like, the weak spot of that movie. But, like... That's just my own opinion because I think I think with who he was surrounded by, it's like oof, you have a lot of good heavy hitters right now. I mean, Joan Joan Rivers didn't have to play Dot. There were other people that could have been Dot. Like Dot could have been Carol Burnett. Shit, Dot could have been Bette Midler. Dot could have been Dot could have been Carol Channing. You want to get technical? Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you better not throw up in here. This is a Mercedes. Wow, I don't know if that's Carol Channing or Mitzi Shore. I think it's Mitzi Shore. <laughs> oh, oh, God, Phyllis Diller. <laughs> Marin will lose it all three times before he becomes a successful comedian. That's my Mitzi Shore cursing Mark Marin, which, if you ask him, happened. I, I, could, I could buy it. I will say this, though. As much as I love Spaceballs, 
and I, I love Mel Brooks. I think Mel Brooks is brilliant. I think every I think every parody movie that is not written by someone with the last name Waynes has almost failed at trying to replicate what he did. I would agree with you. I would agree with you 100%. Because, um, like, Mel Brooks, you, you got to look at, and I mean, like, th- there's ones that people don't even talk about. Like, let's see. What are, what are the ones that everybody talks about? The ones that everybody talks about are Spaceballs. Um, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Uh, Robin Hood. Men in Tights. Um, oh, History of the World. World. Which has got a sequel, weirdly enough. It's good. I know. I, I know. It's, I mean, I know it's good. I'm just. I'm amazed at like how long that. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. That I was just about to say that when I got on the. Uh, silent movie. Oh, I was forgetting about that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to be or not to be. I have not heard of that one. So to be and not to be is 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Uh, I think. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd's in that one. Tim Matheson's in that one. Charles Durning's in that one. Ronnie Graham's in that movie, sir. Wow. Yeah, it's a good movie. To Be or Not To Be is really good. Uh, you've also got High Anxiety, um, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, I mean, my personal... Uh, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein are probably my favorite. But honestly, my favorite thing that he did, and because he did it first, and I don't know what, if he wrote it or if he was just in it and has made it popular. But my favorite musical is The Producers. And originally, before it was Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane, the producers was... Gene Wilder, and I can't think of his name, but I can see him. Wasn't Gene Wilder. It was Gene Wilder. He played uh, Matthew Broderick's character. Oh, yeah, he was Gene Wilder. I thought Mel Brooks was in the movie. No, no, he's never... He's not in the producers. He wrote and directed it. Yeah, okay, there you go. It's uh, uh, Zio Mostel. Yes. Is, um, is uh, Max Bialystok. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the producers is is is, is arguably my favorite. I, I love the musical. I love the remake almost more than the original. But the fact that Kenneth Mars played Franz Lipkin was fantastic, and Christopher Hewlett as Roger Elizabeth Debris is fantastic. And then you've got Andreas Wolston as uh, Carmen Gia, which is Roger's little mm-hmm. thing. I would okay. So I'm the opposite. I like the I like the musical a little bit more. And I have one reason and one reason for it. I think Roger Dubris playing Hitler is funnier than what they did in the original with the hippie dude. Yeah, but I'm talk- I'm saying the remake with um with uh, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. That's my favorite version of it. Oh, oh, I heard that backwards. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's my favorite version of it. Yeah, because Roger Dubris out of nowhere just becoming Hitler, fantastic. That so the way I described. That and, Wolf, that and Wolf Ferrell is a German is just... That was funny. That is, that is still good. The way I describe the producers of the, re, the, the Broadway show, that, and the musical, I should say, is that's what happens when a writer realizes that an already funny joke can be funnier. Also, because Mel Brooks looked at arguably one of his... Like, his first movie, his first creative piece, that... Is iconic. Like it's in like I think the uh, the U.S. catalog. And he was like, you know what? I'm gonna be that funnier. And he did. He did. He the the list is stuff. I wish I could get it in chronological order. That's why. That's why I need an intern, people. <laughs> the, now this is another controversial statement, and you might disagree with me. We get Jack Finnegan to do it. 
he would do it. Absolutely. Mm, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> this episode is sponsored, sir. Don't get me demonetized. You save your... Unsensibus... Ah, fuck it. Don't say it. I won't. Um, so, my, my controversial opinion was... I feel like Spaceballs was the moment where Mel Brooks's parodies started to wane. Yes. But I mean, so so look at it this way though. Spaceballs is 1987. Men in Tights was 93. Oh, I forget about that one. Dracula dead and loving it. Leslie Nielsen is Dracula? I didn't like that one. I like Leslie Nielsen. You just like Airplane. That's why you don't like that one. That's why everybody doesn't like that one. No, no, no. I, I, okay. I love Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. Him by himself is hysterical. Like, he, no pun intended, he ate that role. <laughs> like, he was perfectly cast. It's everyone around him That's that fair. I'm like, Except, um, Reinfeld, who played him. Yeah. Oh, those two together, I'm like... Who played Reinfeld? Those two together are my favorite part of that movie. But other than that, I'm like, this is bad. This is not funny. Oh, that was Peter McNally. Ah. Oh, he was... Oh, my God, he was great. Harvey Corman's in that movie, too? Mm -hmm. Emmy aspect, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mark Blankfield. Steve Weber. Steve Weber, yeah. He played one of the... I don't think he... I'm not sure he played Jonathan Harker or not, but he was... Jonathan one. Harker. Oh, he was. Okay, yeah. I thought so. He was Jonathan Harker. Uh, I think Brooks was Van Helsing. He was. Which was kind of funny. It had its moments. Yeah, Peter McNally was Ryan Field. That was... I mean, that's good. Those two were the best part of that movie. Everything else, I was just like, you are really trying to do... Steve Weber wasn't bad in that movie. He wasn't great. He wasn't great. But it's, it's hard to... I know what they were trying to do, which was make fun of, of course, the book Dracula and um, Francis Ford Coppola's movie that just came out. The issue is, if you're going to do another famous gothic character, another horror icon... People are going to look back at what you already did with another famous gothic horror icon, and they're going to compare it. And no offense to Dracula Den Loving It, Young Frankenstein is a thousand times better. I, I disagree. I say Young Frankenstein's a million times better. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fair enough. Because, like, it, it, there's a difference between. The look on your face when I said I, I disagree with I was about to be like, what? <laughs> there's a difference between. Mel and Gene working together on a movie they are both super passionate about versus Mel doing a movie for a check. Yeah. Because that is what Dracula felt like. It was, hey, you already did one gothic horror character and Bram Sto and like Francis Coppola is making a shitload of money with this movie that just got nominated for like Oscars. Wanna make a parody? If only he could have got Gary Oldman. <laughs> so good. The joke, the, the the joke, would have been funnier if he had gotten Keanu Reeves to play Jonathan Harker again, and this time he just spoke with a straight American accent. He wasn't even trying to be British. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, let's be real. He wasn't really trying to be British in that one, was he? No. And I, 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 I love, I love both Keanu Reeves and I love Winona Ryder. I think they're great actors. But I was like, whoever did the casting for this movie was like half right and then stoned. Because it's like Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins, duh. Keanu Reeves, who has done nothing until that point except play Bill and being Bill and Ted and always play like a lost, confused teenager, you're going to make him a British lawyer. I fit. Like, you had Carrie Eloise in that movie, who is fucking British. Why the fuck is he not Jonathan Harker? He's already successful. He already has a Princess Bride. He's already bankable. Why the fuck? You know what? I could rage about the casting he, he, for here's, the movie. Okay, I'll, I'll do you one better if we're, we're going to talk about casting like this. Let's talk about Highlander for a second, okay? Let's talk about Highlander for a second. A role where a Scotsman is an immortal, and they hire the Scottiest Scotsman in the world to play a Spaniard. I mean, if we want to, if we want to keep doing that rabbit hole, it's Antonio Banderas playing an Arabic. No, 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 no. Thirteenth Warrior was fantastic. Don't you? That is the only hero I have. Don't you take that from me, you cracker ass cracker. Or, or, um, Anthony Hopkins playing a Spaniard in Zorro. That's not so bad. It's not so bad, but I'm like, that is a Wales Englishman, sir. But they made him tan. Well, he had, got a, he had a natural tan. He was also then, he was also a debutante though, so he was he was a well-to-do. So it made like, and you got to remember they were from Spain, yeah. so they look like that. That's fine. But what I'm talking about is the fact that Sean Connery was in Highlander as a Spaniard, and he talked like he was selling Slotsky's deli sandwiches the whole time. <laughs> I think the other one too was like the other funny one to me. Was Catherine Zeta Jones like they they were like she's Spanish? I'm like she is Scottish and Spanish ish. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I'm like I'm, I, I I love her in that role. She she's really good in that movie. But I'm like you, we we have Selma Hayek and Penelope Cruz like right now. Like what 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 happened? I think Selma was, if I'm not mistaken. Selma was just more wrapped up in other stuff and at the time. That could have been true. Because I mean, because you got to look at it. You you got Selma in you know. Uh, oh wow! Not what's after Desperado? What's the one after Desperado? From Desperado. No, that's that has nothing to do. Oh, oh, with, like, the, with oh, the, what's the once upon a time in in between? There's one in between because Desperado has uh, no. Um, I'm thinking El Mariachi is the first, and Antonio yeah, Banderas yeah. is in it. So Desperado and Once Upon a Time. Like, there's your Selma fix for the time. You know, and that's Selma and Antonio. But then... Damn it, now that I think about it... Fuck you, Jordan. Catherine Zeta-Jones was good in that movie. She was good. I'm not saying she wasn't, but it's just like... It's, 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 you look at, the, like, the 90s. And the 90s was, like, for me... Like, well, of course, I was born in the 90s. But, like, when you look back at the, at the film and that, that, that moment in history, it's like we were smart enough to know... Not to cast like Mickey Rooney as an Asian man. So why are why do we have a Frenchman playing an ancient Asian man in Mortal Kombat? 
We're, we're, I'm assuming we're speaking of Raiden. Yeah. Why do we have Jean-Paul, not Jean-Paul, Jean-Claude Van Damme playing a good old American boy in Street Fighter? Martial arts. Fair, but I'm like, I mean, Steven Seagal wasn't fat then. He could have still done it. Steven Seagal would have been a terrible guy. Would have been, because he would have been the, and, and, okay, here, hi, I'm Steven. Like, he would, he would have been the character of Guile. But could you imagine, because Steven Seagal was not going to wear a wig or cut his hair to do a movie. So picture Guile with a tight, I shoot porn ponytail, because that's what Steven Seagal's hair is. Steven Seagal does his hair up like a flag girl in high school. There is so much VO5 in that man's hair, keeping it down. Oh my God, if he ever could, if, if I can get just an audio clip of him introducing himself, like Pitbull would, Mr. 305 and Mr. VO5, <laughs> I would die happy. Oh my God, that would be brilliant. I mean, but, I do a decent Steven Seagal, we can make it happen. <laughs> but I'm sorry, like Street Fighter is also like, you don't, you don't, you don't watch that movie for, um... Jean-Claude Van Damme. He watched the movie for Raul. Because he... That was his, first of all, that was his last role before yes. he died. And he fucking was... He was amazing. He, he, he was a great bison, but it's just... The whole time you watch that movie, all I can say here is like, why is Gomez Adams dressed like the Commandant? Right. Because even if, if you listen to the way he's doing it, he's, he's playing Gomez. Yeah. He's, he's doing Gomez. But Raul Yulia was a saint. Mm-hmm. And a, a brilliant... Like, God, he was... And he did that movie for his kids. Yep. I'm like, this man... It's one of those, he's one of those people where you look at him and you're like, why did you have to go? And we still have Woody Allen and fucking Roman Polanski and all these other asshole creative types that just won't go the fuck away. Yeah, but he, Polanski... Yes, Polanski's... Bad. Well, that's like... Okay, so here's, here's my end for that argument. You and Hal, that hurt so much. That was my knee. Such a laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, oh, oh! I have a solid oak table, ladies and gentlemen. It just met my knee. Oh, the pain. I'm making sounds that Jordan usually hears for other reasons. Oh, it hurts. Oh, I hear that sound too. Why not? <laughs> Sorry, it was there. I couldn't stop myself. Yeah, well, you never can. Oh, God. It's also because you're used to... Yeah, but what makes it different is, you know, immediately after it's over, you don't hear... Is <laughs> <laughs> that to the people I fuck or, like, me, myself? Yes. Okay. Flip a coin. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Literally heads or tails, Jordan. Literally heads or tails. <laughs> heads, Carolina, tails, California. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, go wash yourself, sir. Gross. But so you enjoy The Shining, yes? Oh, I love The Shining. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie, isn't it? Wonderful. Okay. Stanley Kubrick, we can agree, is a terrible human. Oh God, yeah. The things he did to Shelley Duvall were. Oof. But that movie. It was brilliant. Now I'm not condoning the acts of Stanley Kubrick. What I'm saying is, is that was a fantastic movie. Um, I had another preface here. Does that have to do with Roman, Roman or Woody? Well, it had, I don't acknowledge Woody's fucking existence. We already went through that. Roman Polanski. 
I can't I can't make an argument. I was I was about to make an artist versus art argument, but like Roman's kind of bad. So I'll I'll do oh, mm, I'll do one. It's easier for me to do an artist versus <laughs> I wasn't gonna do I wasn't gonna do Cosby. I was gonna do um Chris Brown. I, don't, I mean, like, yeah, he dance his ass off, but he's just light-skinned Omarion. But, I mean... With more domestic abuse. Right, 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 right. But, and I can live with Cosby, too, because it's like, how do you separate yourself from the art? Or, or Kevin Spacey. I love House of Cards. I love that show. I love the character of Frank Underwood. Seven. Seven. I love Seven. I love that movie. Uh, Usual Suspects. American, um, American, not pie, American... Beauty. American Beauty, yeah. I love I love Kevin Spacey as an actor. I think he's in brilliant movies. I'm not going to not watch them because of, you know, what, what he's alleged to do. And I say alleged because, like, everything's still in trial phase. Well, I also, so, when it comes to Kevin Spacey, my thing is, is I think that he took some liberties with some younger gentlemen that were of consenting age. And I mean, like, I don't mean, like, you know, we live in the South, people. So, like, there's literally a thing here called the age of consent, and it's a weird gray line in a lot of trials. Uh-huh. But, you know, if you're if you're in high school and you meet your high school sweetheart and she's a couple grades below you, that's a gray area that you can cross when you get there. What I'm saying is, is Kevin Spacey was, and it was known in the Hollywood world, that he liked younger dudes. And I think most of those people were probably 18. The vast majority, I would say. Because... I- for the for the same reason, like I had a I had a buddy. I can't remember. I, I had a buddy, so and and I won't say his name because that's just rude. But I had a buddy who dated a chick for a little while, and then they got pregnant. And then when they're in the hospital, the doctor asked her her age, and it is a few years younger than she had told my friend. Yeah. Oh no. So that happens, you know, and and that was glossed over, you know, and looked at differently because. Of the situation. Right. So, I think that stuff like that could have happened to Kevin. But also, like, it was it was known in, you know, circles how he was. So maybe don't bring your teenagers to a party with alcohol and Kevin fucking Spacey. Like bringing your kid to Neverland. Yeah. Don't, who the... I think it's a trash can. Okay. For a brief moment, I'm sitting here and I'm like... What creature is dragging something? I need an office, Jordan. <laughs> I need an office away from people. Um, they're, they're separating the art and the artist is a completely different thing. But like, like, do I think Cosby was a monster? Yeah. Do I think he was the most monstrous of monsters? No. No. But uh, himself was a very prolific special, and I enjoyed it uh, very much. So, oh shit! We uh we gotta, ladies and gentlemen, we gotta take a break real quick uh to pay for uh some ad space. Uh, check out this ad from W Energy, and we'll be right back. This episode of the Sidewalk Crew is sponsored by W Energy. We're declaring war on Big Energy. That's right, you've heard it, guys. I've I've been somebody who for a long time has drank energy drinks 
from a lot of those companies that sell a lot of different colorful cans in a lot of different colorful places. And uh, you know what? It's just, I always find out like I either drink too much and I feel jittery sometimes because of the additives, uh, because it's got so much filler, um, because there's so much sugar in it. Even in the ones that don't have sugar, they hide sugars in it. There's just a lot of other bullshit in a lot of your energy drinks. And, you know, with W Energy, we're waging war on it. W Energy is a new energy drink that's out there declaring war on it. They're tired of big energy favoring profit over quality and making energy drinks loaded with um, maltotoxin fillers, artificial colors and dyes, sugars, all sorts of things you shouldn't have, things that make you shake and everything, and especially things that get you crash. So if you're as upset as I am, you know, uh, declare war on big energy with us. Check out W Energy Drink. Um, w Energy Drink comes in a powder, throw it in a shaker, shake it up on your own. Man, look, fantastic, fantastic flavors. Um, me personally, I'll tell you what, since I've been with W, uh, I really like the Dragonade, uh, Dragonade's awesome, you've also got the Dub Sludge, uh, the Big Energy Tears, uh, the Beach and Peach is fantastic, the Beach and Peach is slushy worthy, I'm telling you, flavors like Passion Joy, Push and Punch, um, and if you're not ready to commit to a whole tub of energy, that's perfectly fine, uh, you know what, grab a starter pack, the starter pack comes with a shaker cup, and a couple small ends so you can get a sample of what it's like. Experience crash-free energy. Experience something better. And if you use the code ThatComicTony, you're going to get 10% off your purchases on Dubby. That's right. If you use the code ThatComicTony at per uh, checkout, you'll get 10% off on your purchases. So declare war on big energy. Try Dubby using the code ThatComicTony today. And we can declare war on big energy together, guys. So, respecting the artist, not the art. I get it. Like, you know, that's always Cosby for me. Because himself is probably one of my favorite albums that I heard younger as far as comedy before I ever thought about doing it. So, I get I get the difference between, you know, art and that. But, you know, Polanski's a little much. And, like I said, Woody Allen's not a fucking person. So, sorry if you're a Woody Allen fan. <laughs> that's not many left. Um, we were talking about Kevin Spacey. And there was a friend of mine... Sorry, an acquaintance, because in order to be friends, I have to fucking tolerate you. Um, on Facebook, that was like, <laughs> that was like, I'm not going to watch, essentially they were like, I'm not going to watch any more Kevin Spacey films, because of what they did. XYZ, yeah. XYZ, yeah. And then they went on this longer tangent sometime later, where they said, we should never support any of the art from a problematic or a... A, 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 a terrible person like if a terrible person created art we shouldn't support it to which I was like I understand that sentiment but how exactly are you going to do that when history has proven that most people are terrible Put case in point if you want to go off that logic that I can't support the art because of the artist well, then you literally can't watch any film that was produced by the Weinstein brothers. That's such a good argument. And it's such, there's so much. And there's so much content. Like, thousands of movies, literally thousands of films, were produced under some company that was owned by the Weinstein brothers. I think that where people have the disconnect, though, is, you know, they can tie Kevin Spacey directly to the thing because they visually see Kevin Spacey. You don't visually see Harvey Weinstein's ugly ass 
in the in the shit he does. But that's that's the disconnect. That's why people don't connect with that. Now I agree with you. If you're going to make that argument, then yes, Weinstein Production House and anything that they own mm-hmm. is is the is the paradigm of that argument because it's like oh well whatever whatever whatever. Exactly. Like, and I try to do a quick think of it when I made that comment. I was like, what movies did they produce? And I, it's like all the screen movies except for the, the newest two. So basically most of New Line Cinemas in the 90s. Yep. Most of Miramax. All of Miramax, I think. That, I mean, that ruins Kevin Smith. And Tarantino. And Tarantino. And Robert Rodriguez. Well, maybe not Robert. No, Robert. Robert, that, that, Robert did a lot of films with Dimension and Miramax. Spy Kids is Dimension. So well, I thought Dimension was his. No, Dimension's a part. Uh, is, Dimension is. It might be his, but it's owned by. It, it might have been his, but it's owned by the Weinsteins. Okay. Because it's it was Dimension Films, Weinstein, whatever the company was called, and then Miramax. Because Dimension was like the films that were for, like the popcorn films, like Scream, Kevin Smith stuff. Well, that Mir- was that was Miramax. Well, well, let me rephrase that because. Miramax was their branch for Oscar-y, more Oscar films. Like, uh, like Kevin Smith stuff, Tarantino. The one with like the multi-double, the W's, was like our house. The Weinstein Corporation was like the production thing, but then Miramax was the studio. Mm -hmm. And then, then, because like if you look at the newer stuff, I think from Jay and Silent Bob, Strike Back On, it says View Askew at the beginning, because Kevin Smith's producing it. But, like, just because the Weinstein Company at that point wasn't the producer, they owned the studio. So, like, Weinstein got a bing in the movie because they owned the studio, but then the studio that it shot at is indeed Miramax. And then your production. That's why it got so convoluted, because you'd have all these indie workouts, and then somebody picked them up who was owned by somebody else. Was, and then you're sitting there, it's like, what is it, Family Guy repeat? He's like, yeah, I hate going to movies now. I can't tell when the movie actually starts and when the credits stop. Oh yeah, and they do like the whole like yeah. ten minute bit of like production companies. And you say, oh come on, oh, this looks jocking brooding. Who's this guy? Private Eye Investigations, y'all. Oh, what the hell, Stewie? That yeah, that's fucking. It's a good bit. In a show that is no longer a good bit, that was a good bit. Yeah, yeah, Family Guy's doing on the way down now. American Dad is better for sure. American Dad is better. Rick and Morty's better than both of them. I'll die on that hill. We'll die on that hill. I even like season six. I mean, it's 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 definitely um, well. I'll, I'll be interested to see like what happens now that they got rid of. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. They've they've got it's been a well or well oiled machine for so long that they can probably just take over without him. And they've had people filling in his voice for a while because you know when Rick was drunk, Justin Rutherford was drunk. So like they were there would be days where he'd just be like, "No, we're <clears throat> Morty, Morty, I'm drunk, Morty." Had too much, Morty. I don't know what to do anymore, Morty. Uh, insert Rick Sanchez words here. Oh, jeez, Rick. <laughs> this is no longer a podcast. This is just an audition for a voice reel. Right. Enough. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh. I, I definitely get separating the artist and the art. Which, which brings me to a point. So, like, we've, we've both been at it close to the same amount of time. So we're able to look at stuff objectively now, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't think Matt Rock's a bad comedian. No. 
but like what I try to tell people, because it's I hear a lot of people talking about how he's this, how he's that. There's a lot of Matt Wright hate out there. But A, he's just successful, which is something that most people that you hear the hate from are not. And if they are, they might just be jealous that he could probably fuck their wives. Um, but everybody's like, why is it always crowd work? It's all crowd work. Now, if it was truly all crowd work, and I'm not saying you can't be that comedian, because Andrew Schultz, hilarious. Like, and Schultz, he's literally pretty much purely, like, he's got jokes. But he's pretty much it's It's a lot work. of... It's a lot of purely crowd. It's a lot of purely crowd stuff. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I'll feel about it in a minute. Um, but Schultz one thing. But Matt, it's like I tell people all the time. And this is just my opinion from not being in that long. Because, so to me this makes sense. And my fellow constituents of the Comedian Council of Greensboro might disagree with me. Um, be that as it may. I think that he's doing that. And a lot of new comedians do that because they have a very limited pool of material and they don't want to necessarily burn their material. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think it's bold for stuff like Don't Tell Comedy and things like that. But now some of those guys probably have like work in 30s or 40s because they're going all over the place to do that. So they're doing like a 10 that they can put out like a cool little in-between spot. Neat. And you don't burn all your material. And if you put out a 10, you can still wedge that material in between other material if you have material that ties into that material. And it makes sense. But, like, you know, you'd be crazy if you only had an hour material to just put out your hour. Like, if you were touring with it and then you released it, that's one thing. But to, like, put it out and then go tour with it, that's different. Like, Sledgehammer just came out on the 4th. And they recorded that in 2022, I think. Or at the end of 2022, 2023. So, like, it's... Great special. But, you know, he toured on that and then he released his special at the end of the tour. So now he'll go back and he'll start writing again. Or while he was on tour, at the end of that tour, he was probably changing jokes around and working on newer material and getting ready to do what he's looking at. And then he'll kind of probably be local for a little while, for a year or so, and, like, go regional and hit, like, newer bits. He can still do some of those bits because, you know, you're a big comedian, i.e. Tom. Uh, I, I believe I said Tom Segura Sledgehammer when I started this. I might have just said Sledgehammer. Um, I think you just said Sledgehammer. But. Okay. Yeah, Tom Segura. So you're Tom fucking Segura. You can do some of your jokes, but you as a comedian, just and just off of the conversations you've heard, or you know, you hear him have, he's, he's going to work on new stuff for a while, and in about two years he'll have another comedy baby. That's just how it works. But if you're not at that level, you're, you, you'd be remiss to burn it. So I don't think, I think he does that because he doesn't burn it. That's my take on the matter. Uh, is why they do that. Uh, thoughts? <clears throat> Excuse me. I um I would agree, and I think I think if you're a, a newer comedian and your first thought is like I need a social media presence, which we all do, despite how much like may, we may hate doing it, like because most comedians are like introverts that have to be extroverts to do the thing. Do the thing. Yeah. Um. I think if you're a starting, if you're a new comedian and you ha- and you realize you have a solid joke, the first thought in your head should not be I should put this online. Exactly. Because then it's gone. It's gone. Everyone's heard it. The world has heard it. And if you look at like someone like Matt Rife or Andrew Schultz, as you because you use them as a good example, Matt Rife was on Nick Cannon's Wild and Out, and Andrew Schultz has done similar stuff to that. So these are people that know how to, in a quick moment, be funny. 
like they know crowd work. They've worked a crowd. Mm-hmm. So they can put out like the little like I'm in this comedy club in New like downtown New York and I'm just riffing. I'm working the crowd. But it's funny. So I'm putting this like two minute clip out because it gets it gets me views, it gets me monetized, I'm making money. It's good for a yuck. A yuck, exactly. Now what I would say you do is something that our friend Momo is doing. You just do sketches. Yeah, you sketches. show how funny you are as a writer, and you're not burning your material. I'm sure he has. I'm sure every one of those sketches has one or two jokes attached to it that directly pertain to the material in the sketch, but do not burn the sketch, and the sketch does not burn the material. B- b- bingo, exactly. But, but that's also because Momo's a fucking madman. Yes, but that's what you should do starting out. You should focus on your writing. And showing that you're funny outside of stand-up. Or taking a joke premise and making it into this five-minute, three to five-minute sketch. So that way, you're getting your funny across, but you're not burning the joke. Exactly. Now, I I think my favorite thing online was just like, oh, well, like Matt Rife's only popular because he's hot. I mean, first of all, fact, he is very attractive. That, that is a good. Not going to deny that he's yeah, a very that, attractive that, that person. That is a, like I mean, like that. That's a dude that you look at. That's why so many dudes are mad because they're like, "Fuck this guy, man!" Like I'm funny, but look at him. But the, but my thing is, it's like it shouldn't matter how you look. Like it shouldn't matter how you look, as a, I mean, let me rephrase that. How you look as a comedian shouldn't be what makes you funny or not. Correct. Because, I mean, some comedians, they look, they use their looks to be like, look how fat I am. Look how, like, big my nose is. Like, look at this. Look at that. And they use that to enhance their jokes. It, I mean, speaking from experience, it works. It works. But, like, you see, you think of somebody who was attractive back in the day. Like, you, you see Matt Rife and you're like, oh, he's hot. But you think of, like, Andrew Schultz, who's attractive. You think of Dan Cook when he first started out, he was attractive. You think of these comedians, or um, like Bo Burnham is attractive. He's lanky, but he's attractive. So then it's like, everyone's just like, oh, well, people go to see them because they're, they're hot. And I'm like, well, I've seen people that are hot do stand-up, and they are dog shit. Just because they're pleasing to look at doesn't mean I'm going to get a laugh. I'm, they're going to make me laugh. Like, Matt Reif is good-looking. Bo Burnham is good-looking. But they're funny. Yeah, they can be funny 90% of the time, for yeah, sure. And that helps. Especially for comedy. In Especially for comedy. In case you're not aware, ladies and gentlemen, you know, being funny is very helpful if you're trying to do what we're doing. Yeah. Because, I mean, and the other thing is, too, it's like you have people that... I'm leaning into the non-existent microphone on me. <laughs> you have people that are comedy act... Uh, the, the thing I think about the most is Charlie Sheen, when he lost the job at Two and a Half Men, he wanted this, like, revenge comedy tour of sorts. And he wasn't funny. He is a com- he was a comedy actor who was funny because he knew how to act funny and he had good writers. Yeah, somebody could write the role for him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he himself can tell jokey jokes. Exactly. Like Matt Rife is funny. a very is a very attractive man and he could be he, like he has the jawline and the body to be like a model to do like like maybe not runway but like like catalog or something. He could he could spend a good amount of time on just his looks. And make a shitload of money. He could, but he's also funny, so it's just like an ex- it's a, it's an extra bonus 
as a comedian to be like, I'm funny enough to get like sold out shows. It's just a nice little coincidence that I'm also hot as fuck. Well, see, and the problem was they got a lot of people caught up. Oh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Whereas ticket prices, and what people don't realize about his ticket prices is, and that's that's a problem now because like even at the comedy mothership, um, which is Rogan's new place in Austin. So if you show up and your ticket is from a resale site and it doesn't have their watermark from their original print on it, or if it's not in the original email and they have a way to scan them and tell, like they won't take it. They say your ticket's invalid because you bought it from a reseller. They say you should try to get your money back, but your ticket's been denied. And they'll they'll refer you to the retailer. But they charge 40 bucks for the ticket again. That's it. And for the shows that you see there, that's worth it. You know, I mean, he's running a business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not saying you should necessarily pay 40 bucks to get to every show you go to. Pardon. Well, I don't know where I was going. Comedy Mothership. Comedy, what was my tagline there? You don't understand. You shouldn't pay 40 bucks for... Well, yeah, yeah. So everybody was like, oh, look at these Matt Wright tickets. They're $1,000 until Matt literally went out and he was like, guys, if you're not going directly through my website, like, I'm not selling tickets for a thing. He was like, if you pay $1,000 to come see me, you're stupid. Yeah. And be, and, and like, and, and what I think people forgot that there was this big thing where like, Singers and comedians were like, do not go to Ticketmaster. They will upcharge you. Go directly to my site. Yeah. Unless I am using them as a partner, do not do it. Buy my tickets from my site. Mm-hmm. It will be cheaper. And I think when Joey was doing the residency shows up at the Sony Theater, they were 20 bucks mm-hmm. on his website. Mm-hmm. Always, go to the, always go through the comedian's website. Do not go through another retailer because they will upcharge you. You heard it from Jordan Freeman, ladies and gentlemen. Ticketmaster is a monster. There's one thing that I think about with Matt Rife, and it was something that somebody told me 10 years ago, well before I got into comedy, which was, you can only be a comedian if you're ugly. And I was like, explain. They were like, nobody wants to see a pretty person be funny. And I was like, I don't agree with that. I was like, because there are plenty of pretty people in comedy that are funny. Yeah, but there's some that you look at and you're like, why are you here? Like, like Matt, Matt a little bit. Matt's on the person like, why are you here, dog? You could be doing anything. You could be in movies and stuff. Like, Natasha Leggero. For a female comedian, she's rather good looking. Like, Nikki Glaser should be a comedian. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Liza didn't necessarily have to be a comedian. No. Um, Sarah Silverman didn't have to be a comedian. Maybe a little. But like, you know, usually when you think comedians, you think of guys like, because, so look at the 80s. I mean, if you if you skip over like Danny Tanner, it's like, yeah, I'm sure Dice Clay looked good to some, but he was no fucking Hasselhoff and Baywatch, you know. I'm sure ladies love the fact that Sam Kennison was famous, but, you know, nobody ever said, look at that rockin' Kennison bod. You know, uh, I'm not saying Chris Farley never got laid, but, you know, it wasn't for his abs. No. Well, you also got to think, too, like, as someone, as someone in the 80s that's like a Matt Rife, who's just a very attractive man who's funny, you think of, like, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy in the 80s was, a, I mean, he's still a, a very attractive man now. Like, he's aging well because, looked, you know, black don't crack. He looked goofy. Duh. 
He look uh, just he looks like such to me he looks like such a kid because he was like 21, 22 when that shit was shot. So, but that's just that's just the way my brand translated because I'm used to I think my first what was the first thing I saw Eddie Murphy in? Mine was the one where he was in. Well, you're talking about like movies or specials? Movies. The first movie I saw him in, like himself, was probably The Nutty Professor. Yeah. Now, when I heard his voice, it was Mulan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was definitely, I heard him as Mushu definitely before. But, like, yeah, the first time I can remember seeing Eddie was, like, yeah, Nutty Professor. And then I remember going back and watching stuff like Beverly Hills Cop and Coming to America. But when I saw Eddie Murphy for the first time, he was already, like, a dude. You know, like a grown-ass man. Not like, you know, when the first time I saw Will Smith, like, to me, Will Smith, I have to step back and look at Will Smith now to realize the age on him because I've kind of, because when I saw Will Smith, I was a kid, but he was super young, you know, we're still, we're, he was Fresh Prince. So I, you know, I felt like we went up at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's hard for me to notice that. But like I look at guys like like Jim Carrey, I look at Jim Carrey in the face now, and I'm like, oh god, stop getting older, fucking Bill Murray. Because you got to remember, like Ed, I don't, I can count on one hand like the amount of Bear Murray, Bear Murray, to, <clears throat> Bill Murray roles that happened in like the '90s when I would have watched him as like a come up. You know, even even Arnold at that point was a little up there. You know, he'd already done like Predator and uh, what's the one with him and Sinbad. Um, Jingle All the Way? Jingle All the Way, yeah. Uh, that's the second time we brought that movie up this podcast. Uh, yeah, Jingle All the Way. But, you know, he was older than that. He was already older than that. So, uh, with, the, with the, some people it's a phenomenon for me, but with other people it's noticeable. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference between the two. I had a point there, Jordan. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I But I just think that, like, it's. It, I've never. I, I. It still has never set with me when people were just like, "Oh, you can only be funny if you're like, basically like unattractive," and it's like, why? It's like you can be funny and be attractive. It's just a matter of like, t- like comedy is all about taste. It is, but if you're hot, you better be really funny. Right, right. Like you better be really funny. Well, like Ron White's a gas, but like. You know, like, Matt Rife's got to be, like, funny. Well, I think that's just... I think that's the the narrative for anybody that isn't a white, average-looking dude. Is you have to be... Or, sorry. or if, if, A dude... An average-looking dude in general. That, like, the average-looking dude can just be funny. A woman has to be really funny. An attractive dude has to be really funny. And we're still in a phase where, like, some minorities have to be really funny to make it. And it's just, like, why do average... Like, comedy should not be the place where, like, an average-looking dude is just like, I exceed. It's just like, uh... So, let's see the, uh... Let's see if I can wrap this around my warped little heady by here. Um, I think that why they have to be is because we don't think that they had to go through the same things that we had to go through because they got 
extra stuff because of their appearance or potentially their upbringing. We don't think that maybe they struggled to get that appearance, which could be a very valid point. We think that it was just silver spoon in the mouth the whole time. So we're like, well, what the fuck do you have to talk about? What's your? We don't know if their parents, like, I don't know, if they walked in on his mom pegging his dad in a clown suit or something. Like, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. That might be a stretch, but we don't know. You know, The stretch but, for the dad. Yeah, it's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, so I, I feel like that's why. We, we feel like they've had advantages. Like, Neil's got that bit where, I won't spoil his bit, but he was like, I'm not saying I'm better than you all, but... I mean, that's funny. Because, like... He doesn't think he's better than us. But if you were a shallow person on the outside looking in, they'd be like, oh, definitely. Yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, I don't know. I I have no hate for Matt Rife. I, I am like, if you're succeeding, kudos. Exactly. Like, I want to be in your shoes one day. Yes. Like, kudos to you. I hope you succeed. Let me be your opener one day. Yeah, put me on. Put me on. Put me on. Let me get your guest spot, dog. I'll do a, I'll do a hot three. Yeah, I'll do a hot three. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'll be your opener in more ways than one. Look, if my rights had been over, I would be like, where? La- ladies and gentlemen, if, if you're a fan of Jordan Freeman's comedy, I suggest you see him as many times as you can now before the CIA shows up to take him back <laughs> to the alien hangar that he escaped from. <laughs> because Jesus Christ. I have one friend who has seen my stand-up um, a couple of times, and it's just like, the fact that you haven't been canceled blows my mind. Yeah. I'm like, because I'm not big yet. Well, it's... <laughs> you can't cancel me if I don't care. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I guess you can, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, like, my thing, my argument with him, I was like, he was like, I can't believe you're not canceled. I'm like, well, all someone cancel me is going to do is just going to get me no variety and then I'm right back into the spotlight and I'm doing my thing. So all you're doing is just giving me a leg up. So go for it. I don't like go for it. Cancel me. That just means people will finally know who the fuck I am. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Well guys, I do believe uh, so for those of you in the Jackson, I know this is going to come out later, but uh, Mr. Freeman and I are on a show tonight uh, so we're, we're about to have to Get ready to do the daggum thing. It's going to be a good time. It's uh, me, Jordan Freeman, Hewlin Saunders, and Jeremy Alder at the Brewer's Kettle in Kernersville. Show put on by Live to Laugh Comedy. Check out their page. They do a bunch of shows all the time. We do open mic every week at Brewer's Kettle um, in Kernersville. That's on uh, East Mountain Street in Kernersville. Uh, it's a fun little Wednesday thing. Uh, Hewlin Saunders host. I host a decent little bit too. Sometimes we have guest hosts. We usually have a feature. Once a month we have a show. And then uh, we are doing a Saturday comedy night every night or uh, once a month at Brewer's Kettle now. And then uh, Live to Laugh also puts on shows at this place called Grey Gables in Summerfield. It's a really cool little outdoor venue. Uh, they post the shows monthly, so if you ever want to come to one of those, definitely hit up uh, Live to Laugh Comedy on their page or look up the Grey Gables event page where you can check them out. And also, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my favorite place uh, to do comedy in the world, as much as I love looking, working with Live to Laugh Comedy, they're a great group, but my home club is the Idiot Box Comedy Club in Greensboro, North Carolina. They have the littest open mic around every Thursday. Go online to Eventbrite, pay your five, secure your spot, 
and you can come up and, uh, you know, you can work on your new stuff, you can work on your own stuff, you can be a good hang, you can be a weird hang. If it's your first time and you try, you'll probably get laughs, I assure you. It's, it's, it's a great time where good people, definitely check them out. They do shows all the time, they have stand-up classes, they have improv classes, every so often they do sketch stuff. You can uh, watch improv and sketch at the club in addition with stand-up. Also, uh, we're selling tickets currently for the North Carolina Comedy Festival. That's September the 1st through the 10th. Uh, if you come to every single show, you will see over 300 different acts of stand-up improv and sketch. Uh, some of the best all over the United States. we got people that come from all over. Um, I'm pretty sure Cam Wiley's down. He's from fucking Canada, ladies and gentlemen. We've had people from everywhere at this thing. It's it's a pleasure to be a part of it. I'm on it. Uh, Jordan Freeman's on it. A lot of the funny people you hear on this podcast are on it. So you should definitely get those. You can get all those tickets for events at the Idiot Box on Eventbrite. Head over to Eventbrite, type in Greensboro, North Carolina, search the Idiot Box, follow them, check out their page for a full list of everything. Jordan Freeman, what shows you got coming up? Other than tonight? Yes. Um, I will be at Monstercade August 18th. It is a Tuesday at 8 and oh comedy blows yeah yeah comedy blows and then after that the only thing i have right now in september is the festival the festival yep well ladies and gentlemen if you're looking for a fun comic please reach out to us and we can give you jordan freeman's information book that man he'd be funny hide your kids hide your wife book jordan freeman hide your husband what do you mean hide your wife i mean like some people refer to their husbands as their wife it's 2023 jordan you can be whatever you want to be, Jordan Freeman. Even a pedophile? You can be almost whatever <laughs> you want to be, Jordan Freeman. There you go. That's that's Jordan's comedy, ladies and gentlemen. It is. Um, and now, me, myself, uh, I am doing a lot of stuff. Uh, in August, on the 4th and on the... Uh, let's see. The 4th and the 8th, I will be in Virginia... Uh, at the Palm on the 4th, and I will be in Withfield, Virginia on the 8th. Uh, the 8th is a free show. The Palm has tickets available on Eventbrite. You can catch those links at the bottom of my page. August 23rd, I'll be in Pigeon Fords, Tennessee. That's right, Pigeon Fords, Tennessee. Um, I'll be taking place at a comedy contest down there. Um, you've got nightly winners, and then everybody goes back. I'm actually in the last week of that. Also, August 11th, I will be back at Gray Gables, and I'm super excited for this one. I'll be hosting... David Goolsby, Big Papa Don Guap will be your feature. And the man, the myth, the legend, the big homie, J.D. Etheridge, will be headlining that show at Grey Gables. Summerfield, we are coming to slide on y'all sons of bitches. Y'all don't know what's about to go down, baby. Ow, it's going to be so much fun. So much fun. And uh, I'll also be on the North Carolina Comedy Festival in September. Um, I'll have links to all those dates. On the page, we'll have links to Jordan Freeman's dates as well. Um, and uh, thanks, guys, for coming and listening to another episode of the Sidewalk Crew. Remember, this episode was brought to you by W Energy. That is the jitter-free energy. You can visit W.GG. Type in the code that comic Tony for 10% off on your order. They're currently doing a buy one, get one free special right now. Now's a good time to jump on it. Me, personally, I love the Beach and Peach. I think it's a fantastic flavor. I threw two scoops in my shaker with eight ounces of water, and it gets me through the day without feeling like I'm putting booger sugar up my nose. Because who wants to tweak from Too Much Monster? So check out W Energy at W.GG. And remember, you can use the code ThatComicTony for 10% off on your purchases. And ladies and gentlemen, W loves me so much that that code works every single time you use it. So definitely go through us, W.GG, code ThatComicTony, and get 10% off your purchase today. Jordan, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Not a problem. 
Amen. It's going to be a fun night tonight. Guys, we love you from all of us here at the Sidewalk Crew. Enjoy your week. I love you all. Peace out, fuckers. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Sidewalk Crew. Uh, it's so great to have you. Um, once again, my name is Tony Rodriguez. I'm a local comedian from Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I'm a young aspiring comic. Uh, I am taking bookings currently, so if you are a booker and you found a way to this show through recommendation, uh, please get at me through my email, thatcomictony at iCloud.com. Uh, to reach out to me, um, and uh, that'd be fantastic. Also, if you'd like to do, uh, come on the show or you think you have an interesting story, you can check me out at uh, thatcomictony at iCloud.com. Also, um, I'm also that comic Tony on all social medias except Facebook, where I'm Tony Rodriguez, um, and it's a picture of me on stage at the Idiot Box Comedy Club, if you're trying to find a reference to that. Now, while I've got you here, before you get out of here, I'd like to say some cool stuff about some friends of mine. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please... Uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Uh, also, please uh, check out the following. Uh, my buddy David Goolsby, a.k.a. Gooop, has a podcast called The Ooop that he releases on Mondays here on Spotify. Um, also, uh, the Creative Businessman Studios on YouTube, they have several amazing shows, um, including The Creative Businessman, uh, Dumbest Time in the Room with Tom Simmons, and Never Been Happier with Eric Trundy. Um, they also have this show called The Mike and the Machine with Craig Boudreau. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're great, great people. Um, I get to work with all these guys a lot, and uh, we have fun with them. Oh, there's also uh, The Moments with Jermaine Colando. Um now, uh, Gulop and the Uop are available on Spotify. I believe uh, the Creative Business Studios has some episodes on Spotify, and I think Jermaine might have a couple on Spotify. But you can find the Moments with Jermaine Colando and all your creative business and all uh, the Creative Businessmen Studios um, podcasts and shows on YouTube. Uh, the Moments with Jermaine Colando is how you get at him, and uh, search uh, the Creative Businessmen Studios to find shows like Never Been Happier, The Creative Businessman, and Dumbest Time in the Room. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Check out my friend's podcasts. And if you're in Greensboro and you'd love to come see some fantastic comedy, please, like I say at the end of every show, check us out at the Idiot Box Comedy Club. You can find their information on Facebook, um, the Idiot Box Comedy Club in Greensboro, or on their website, idiotboxers.com. Thank you so much. <laughs>